Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Full Press Packers Pod. Part of full press coverage. My name is Kyle Senra, and joining me is my co-host Jesse Hall. Welcome back, Jesse. We'll be back in rotation here on the Full Press Packers Pod with Jesse. Glad to have you back on. Hey, yeah, glad to be back. Uh, I guess it's Happy New Year. It's been a while, but uh, good to be back, and hope you're doing well, Kyle. I mean, I'm doing. I'm doing better than Eagles fans this week, but not as good as Chiefs fans. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure, you know, our guest last week, Braden Holchek, I'm, I know he's really happy. Uh, I would say check out the most recent episode of the Full Press Fantasy Pod. We had Braden on, uh, Brad and I, and we just, uh, yeah, talked about the Super Bowl a lot. And uh, I guess uh, for more detail on my thoughts on some of those topics, you can just refer back to that episode. I'll, I'll talk about some of the things here quickly. But uh, Jesse, I'll go to you first. What did you think of Super Bowl 57? Um, It was amazing. Honestly, you know, we'll, we'll talk, I'm sure we're going to talk about the ending, but leading up to the last, you know, minute and a half to two minutes, it might have been the most exciting Super Bowl in a long time. I really enjoyed it. It was an awesome game. Um, two teams with almost identical numbers this year, but they did it in different ways. I thought it was a great game. It was entertaining. It was fun. Um, I'm glad I didn't have a dog in the fight because obviously I've been looking at it differently. But as a fan from a distance, uh, it was a great game to watch. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm trying to think back. Like you, you just have to be like the lo- most exciting in a while. And I even forget the ending. I'll say it still is one of the most exciting Super Bowls since I don't even know. Um, <laughs> last time the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, probably that that Eagles Patriots game was pretty exciting. Tons of points there too. Yeah, that's that's what I. That's the only one I really can think of where it was competitive. You know, every every possession. Um, 
It was enjoyable. It sure was. I mean, you could say the Chiefs' first win against the 49ers was kind of a – it was a classic ending. Like, you know – what what did the, the Chiefs put up like twenty one points in the fourth quarter like that that was really impressive to watch but I don't know the whole game lived up to that kind of kind of basically like the Chiefs, <laughs> right? You know every Super Bowl is a different story, right? Yeah, to to your point, like <laughs> that game was just if if I was one of the teams, I would have you know had no more nails on my finger or you know would have had a heart attack or stroke or something because nobody pulled away, everything was within distance for both teams. Great coaching all around, especially second half by the Chiefs. Andy Reid's a genius. Um, just an awesome game. I would. I don't know that I'm going to go great coaching all around. That's one of my big takeaways. There, but I'll, I'll touch on that in a bit. But the my big biggest takeaway was we knew Mahomes was this good. Man, Jalen Hurts really is the guy. And you, you, you had it earlier this season, Jesse. We were talking. We were ranking our top five quarterbacks. I did not have Hurts in mind. You did. And honestly, after this game it's tough to not put him two or three. Like we maybe still could say Josh Allen. Although, I mean, Josh Allen hasn't even been to an AFC championship game. So, uh, but yeah, I think uh, there's a, you know, you could add Burrow in there. Like I think we both did. Uh, Lamar Jackson still has these awesome capabilities, but yeah, I think Jalen Hurts has certainly cemented himself among the league's elite quarterbacks. Some of those throws, I think the first touchdown to AJ Brown, that was a deep pass that was perfectly placed, perfectly timed. Any further behind the 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 corner, who you know Brown's open enough to make that catch, uh, but you throw that pass any behind bit behind him, it you know chance of being intercepted. If you throw it late, I'm pretty sure there's a safety over the top that might have been able to you know impact it. Like it was just it's everything you need in in a quarterback throwing. And of course, Hertz was incredibly impressive running. Uh, the QB power. This is, uh, he's, he's a better version, I guess, Cam Newton, right? The like Cam Newton had this kind of like, it's, and that's why I guess the Josh Allen comparison, because I think both, all three of those quarterbacks really do run in a, 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 like a very similar way. Not that they'll always run like seek out contact, but they're so strong that they don't shy away from it. And so, you know, get easy yards, especially, you know, short yardage straight line is the easiest way as opposed to trying to run to the outside. They'll, they'll just power through, especially with a really good offensive line. Uh, it's I think it's a lot different than how Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields run. Like those guys, it's just, you know, that's pure speed. And it's going to be a lot of t- to the outside. Whereas, you know, Hurts, Allen, and, and what Cam Newton used to do is a lot of, especially near the goal line, getting first downs and touchdowns, the short yardage power quarterback. And that's, Hurts was just all about impressive. Really made one mistake, the fumble. Um, and Mahomes was flawless. So they got the, the chiefs got the win. I think that's, that's really what it comes down to. I also think there were maybe more to certainly more to blame than Jalen hurts for the Eagles loss. I thought he was incredible. And uh, just the last thing is the, the the story of this being the first two black quarterbacks to start on both sides. Um, And I think what a showcase for anyone who still had doubts really about either because of the color of their skin. I don't, I don't know if there's many Mahomes doubters anymore, but I know Mahomes said after the game too, there really shouldn't be any Jalen Hurts doubters anymore. Uh, anyone who did doubt him, and we I could be counted among that, certainly were you know, showed that like th- this this entire season really that there this you know he was the guy like like there's talk of him being potentially replaced. You know that that went away I think 
what, what did they lose? They were eight. No, before they lost. I think what, when they were that stretch, when they were that far on without losing, I think that was cemented. Okay. This he's the guy. And I mean, they're obviously going to have to pay him big money and we'll see how that negotiation goes, but you'd imagine like, okay, he's cemented, but then everything he's done certainly in the Super Bowl was just, okay. Now he's truly an elite quarterback. Oh, by far. Yeah. That team was undefeated and look what happened when he got hurt. They were, that team was a shell of themselves. So that shows what kind of impact impact he has on that team. And his story's great. Just a great human being. And you know how he got replaced at Bama and he went to Oklahoma. I mean, the the kid never gave up. He's a fighter. Uh, He does it different than everybody. Like to your point, the Cam Newton, the power run, it's kind of old school football, but he can beat you both ways. You know, they're what I like about that team. Hey, if it's third and four, they know it's two down territory, no matter where they're at. They, they can get two yards on two plays, and they're going to do it. Um, yeah, and that, it's just it's a fun kind of style of offense that really they're the only team in the league right now that runs it like that. But to your point too, that throw to to AJ Brown, that's just two studs that are working together because he tracked that ball perfectly, and Hertz put it in a perfect spot where it was not in danger. Now he did throw into double coverage. You know, I think two drives later where he got away with one. But to the, even to that point, you know, A.J. Brown's a stud. He trusts him on 50-50 balls. Uh, yeah, if you doubted that kid, he's definitely top five. I, I think I had him number five. He might be number four right now, maybe even number three, you know, because Jackson just is not healthy. If you're in the tub, it's hard to grate you. Of course, the skills is there. But Jalen Hurts is that guy, man. He's awesome. It's, Philly found him. They, you know, the second-round pick took a chance on him, and, and they're not disappointed. They should be happy with the kid they have. Absolutely. And, uh, it, you know, I remember which player top of two, the one he threw into double coverage, the safety over the top. There was tight coverage by the corner. Uh, maybe it, that was maybe the only dangerous though, because there are so many great throws along the sideline that are perfectly placed, allowing receivers to make plays. Uh, Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard all did amazing. And guess what? Zach Pascal and Quez Watkins got to catch passes in the Super Bowl. So good for them. And Jalen Hurts <laughs> gave them good, good yardage on them too. So it's, it's good. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I really do think, though, I mean, the, the Eagles defense, let, I think, was the certainly in, I mean, they didn't get a single stop in the second half. That was a, a major factor. Uh, I think it really came down to coaching and that really, especially on the defensive side. Uh, you know, some people I've heard some people say, oh, the fumble was the difference in the game. No. I really think the two touchdowns Patrick Mahomes threw in the fourth quarter were the difference in the game. And even like watching it live, I thought. Wait, wasn't that the same play they just scored with three minutes ago? Like, it, I know they're yeah. the opposite end of the field, different receiver. It was Tony in the first one, Sky Moore, but like the way it, it, it structured wide open again, it's like, and then you go back and you look, it's the same offensive and defensive formations, the same type of motion trick to get the, you know, fool the defense to thinking it's motion, but get him outside. No one covers him and it easy walk in touchdown. Uh, and it's, I, I thought, okay, you know what? I mean, it's tough to make in game adjustments really quickly. The part of that is got to be on the players too. Like, okay, no, we saw this earlier. We can't bite on it. 
you know, but they could, of course, the time you don't bite on it, he actually runs the motion and, and you lose him there. But I don't know. But so, you know, the coach coaches do have to provide answers for their players. And if you look at the defensive formation, it's tough to have an answer for that. If, if you're, you're making your, especially your strong safety commit to having to cover the motion and basically the outside almost. So it, it's, we I get to more details, but I really do think like, it, I don't know if it's a, a scheme flaw. Like we talked about that with the Packers so much this year, Jesse, right? Like how often was a linebacker covering the slot receiver? Like that's, that, that shouldn't happen. If that's how your defense is run, change the way you run your defense, the way slot receivers are in the NFL. Now, like I can get your, your, a linebacker covering a tight end because most of them are Travis Kelsey. Um, but to be fair, like you can't really, like you may as well just have a linebacker cover Travis Kelsey because n- none of your DVs will do any better. So may as well commit there, but like for it to be a slot receiver and like, you know, week one, Justin Jefferson in the slot, like that's, that was, why is that happening? Um, so, you know, there's flaws to that defense, but it felt like specifically with the way the Eagles lined up as a red zone defense, there's, there's a flaw there that the chiefs easily exploited and it worked both times. Right. And so, you know, got to go to coaching, but I don't know what, what you, first off, what you thought live and what, like I've, cause I've seen a lot of it made of it since and people showing the formations and, and kind of explained it more. And it, it really kind of my instinct of man, feel like the, the, the chiefs really like, just like, Oh, you're going to do this. We, we were going to exploit this and it turned out to be the case. Sorry. I just keep talking over you after asking you, but what do you actually think, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. If you're an X's and O's nerd, like I am, um man the chiefs adjustments at halftime and there's a flaw in every defense so i'm going to piggyback off of that every defensive setup is a flaw and you got to find that mismatch now the eagles didn't come out of that defense when they saw that play so that's where the coaching got beat got picked on really by andy Reid and company but yeah they went into half they saw what they're facing and they came out they adjusted of course the players got to execute but they put them in positions where i don't care what receivers out there you and i could have caught those passes because the defense was flawed to what they were doing. Um, and that's just genius. They're like, hey, until you stop it, we're going to keep coming at you with this look. And just handing off that motion guy, they weren't doing it. Um, it's a thing of beauty. It really is. If you're an X's and O's guy and you try to see, okay, if they're lined up like this, how we're going to beat them, they did. I mean, they had the perfect answer to what Philly was going to do. And then if Philly adjusted, I guarantee they had another like wrinkle in that same formation to beat what they were going to do. It, it was just, they were playing chess in the second half. And yeah, to your point, you know, the coaching, they're, they're playing checkers on, on Philly's defensive side. So it was awesome. I tipped my hat. Chiefs are tough, man. They got the players, they got the staff. They're, they're going to be tough for a long time. I don't know. Do you watch the Manning cast much? Cause like I, I despise Buck and Aikman. So like give me an alternate to them. And, and so anytime they showed a Manning cast, I would watch Monday Night Football. Uh, but I don't know if, have you seen it? Had the privilege? I have. Yeah, I have. Um, I don't watch it every week, you know, when they're on, but I, but I enjoy them. They're, it's just fun to pick their brains and what they think. There was a game this year where it's kind of like, like almost a shocking revelation of the NFL. Apparently halftime adjustments don't exist. Like they, and they like Peyton said it. And like Eli immediately, like this was, it didn't, I don't like, you could maybe think it was a joke, but they were pretty out of it. Like, no, like, no, it does. You, there's no time. You go to the locker room, you know, you take care of what you need fluid wise, whether it's intake or outtake and get back out there. Like, there's really no time to make adjustments. I, I, to be honest, I think the smartest coaches are just adjusting every play. And I, well, you, right. You, so you yeah, see players ahead. on the sideline too. Every time they got the tablet, they're not like, you know, 
maybe there's a couple narcissists that just love to look at themselves. Oh yeah. Look at that. But like every time they, they especially players go to it, especially after they don't do the play, right? What did I do wrong? Let me go see how to fix that. That's adjustments are being made constantly through the game. So the idea of halftime adjustments, I don't right. know. And that's a, that's a great point because to, I remember listening to that broadcast and I've actually listened to a lot of people talk about that and they are right. Like they're not going, you know, like high school football team, they're going to all the players, Hey, this is what we're going to change. They're not doing that per se. But I do think the staff gets together, or at least they're communicating. To your point, you're always adjusting, always looking at the last play, getting different views. And I think it's a quick little, hey, th- this is, we're going to try to do this in the second half. You know, it's not like, hey, we're drawn in the sand and coming up with new plays. They might just, hey, this was working, this wasn't, and just bouncing off of it. It's a communication thing more than anything, I would think. But, yeah, to the Manning's point, yeah, you're, you're not doing that with the players. You have 12 minutes Dude's got to use the bathroom, probably get some fluids in you, you know, retape, whatever, and you're back out on the field. So that's not going on with the players per se, but I do think the coaches are really talking and that's why you have staff that are trying to look at different things and different ideas. So when I say Andy Reed, I think it's, you know, him, but his staff is loaded with guys and they work well together. Well, and I know Braden's talked about David Taub for years, the special teams coordinator, and you've seen like the team special teams have always been excellent. And guess what? A big punt return in this game. And like, like for Long the most part, this history. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and for the most part, special teams have, you know, I, I felt like it was, you know, not one team is dominating the other, but all it takes is to break that one play to make a really big difference. And like you said, the longest punt return in NFL history, way to go. Kadarius, Tony. Hmm? Yeah. It was, it, it was Tony, it, right. I didn't make it. I did yeah. mess it up. No, you're right. Yeah. And, and to that point, they said, watch, we're going to break one this game. Like he was adamant that we're going to break one this game. And yeah, he didn't score, but <laughs> that was, that broke it open, right? That that play, like total momentum shift. Um, it, 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 that's why there's three parts. Bill Belichick puts it into it. The Ravens do, and so do the Chiefs. You know, special teams matter. Um. So, and I, I, I agree with your point of the coaches will communicate. I think maybe one of the things is, okay, when we get to the second half, are we changing our philosophy, offense, defense, special teams? Like, are, are we going to change how we're approaching the game? And you're making like big philosophical decisions. But like you said, the X's and O's plays that you've, okay, now that we've cho- chosen to change this philosophy, we already planned out what we do with our plays with that philosophy kind of before the game. They're not going to like invent a completely new way of thinking. Like, okay, they've they've probably planned out through the week and lead up to the Super Bowl through the two weeks. Okay, these are the scenarios. If we feel like we're down and we have to be more aggressive, this is how we're going to approach offense. This is how we're approach defense. And like, that's probably the core of complimentary football is the coaches communicating with each other. So good point there, Jesse. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, and I could be totally wrong. I've never been in a locker room, but that's just what it sounded like, you know, cause that was a big topic what the Mannions were saying. So yeah, um, that's why winners win. And, you know, it's and getting off subject here and going down a rabbit hole, but you look at a lot of teams when they lose staff members, Green Bay this last year, and you know, guys leave and guys get promoted, which great. You get promoted, but losing certain guys in certain spots, that really changes a lot. And the fluid, you know, being fluid with all the coaches, it it matters. It really does. Yeah. So that's, that's a good point too. Although uh, I'll say, I think it, I think if Devontae Adams on the Packers last year, I bet I think they're in the playoffs. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I think, I think it really just came down to that, but uh, that's, you know, a topic for last year, I suppose, because he's on the Raiders <laughs> now. Um, but uh, yeah, another year. Uh, the, the the truth is, Jesse, though, I think 
a lot of that coaching, we talk about Andy Reid, and one of the narratives that has been said about Andy Reid so much is how good he is at planning, how good he is coming off bye weeks. And now that it's his fourth Super Bowl, especially how good he is to like utilize two weeks to prepare. But from what the report on Twitter, and this is something that like, you know, live, I, w- I would have thought, oh man, Andy Reid, I would have thought the same thing. Like, this is Andy Reid just finding a way, like he's, he saw how they're approaching the motion. Okay, you're going to, you're going to bite on that so hard. We'll use that against you. Apparently this was planned out before and they had always kind of planned to, if we need to, we're not going to show this one right away. Cause then that they will get time. But if we need to in the fourth quarter, like we need touchdowns knowing how the chiefs we've been, you know, Andy Reid and the chiefs and Mahomes, they've been <laughs> behind it every, all three Super Bowls at halftime. So like, we're probably going to need those in the fourth quarter. So let's, let's use them then when the coaches really won't have time to, to change anything. And especially like, again, I think it's less than three minutes apart of game time, which would be a little less than actual three minutes of real life time. But still, like that's that's not a lot of time to get through and adjust that. But apparently the Eagles had months to adjust to this. And I think it's it's hilarious. The ultimate irony is that Doug Peterson actually gave the Chiefs, which I guess he was with the Reed before, but he gave the Chiefs the key to beat the Eagles, the team he won a Super Bowl with as a head coach. This Isn't that, that crazy? That exact play... <laughs> was run by the Jaguars against the Eagles. And I'm pretty sure the Eagles won that game. That's part of their unbeaten stretch to start the season. So that would have been like September, maybe October. You know, we're talking four months back at the same exact play where the, the, the genesis of the play is your outside receiver runs motion inside, almost like a, an end around. So it, it's and it, the, you know, the three players that scored touchdowns on these plays, the two chiefs players in the, the Super Bowl, Kadarius, Tony, the rookie sky Moore, And then, for the Jaguars, it was Jamal Agnew. Like all the impressive receivers they had this year, Christian Kirk, the big money they spent on him, Evan Ingram, both both played amazing. Zay Jones really broke out, kind of made Marvin Jones almost uh, you know forgettable. And back to the Aikman criticisms, the one game you know the Jaguars Titans game at the end of the season, it's like okay, if I'm going to tolerate them for this, it's a play in, win the division. I'll, I'll tolerate them through that. But first drive, Aikman said Marvin Jones has been Trevor Lawrence's blanket, like security blanket all season. I just Oh, oh man, yeah, you, no, <laughs> you, you you really don't know anything. Like he, he just doesn't research. I think that's all it is. We research it properly anyway. So, uh, but looking through Twitter afterwards and, and some of the, you know, the beat reporters were saying about that play is, is that, you know, the receiver runs the motion, but they stop it short when the play is snapped and they run and they just run back outside. And the way the Eagles defense approaches it, it looks like that outside corner is the outside receiver, sorry, is not covered by the outside corner. The whatever side the slot the, there is a slot receiver on, it looked like the corner basically goes up and almost plays press coverage against the corner or the slot uh, the slot receiver. Sorry, corner playing press coverage against the slot receiver. And again, this is specifically their red zone defense and almost goal line defense, right? So they're going to approach that differently. They don't want that that slot receiver getting free easy access to the to the end zone. But so I think that's the reason they do it. But like you said, Jesse, there's there's always a key to a defense and a flaw. But the flaw is basically that outside receiver is covered by either because it looks like they run three safeties. So two over the top half field, essentially. And then the strong safety is an extra linebacker almost. So it, I I would assume if the outside receiver just runs an outside route, this, the, the, the safety there will then cover them, come down and, and then take care of that. But if they've gone inside with motion, then the strong safety has to kind of approach it and and you know seeing some uh you know replays of the play you see 
whatever the whoever the strong safety is for the Eagles, I believe, kind of run that motion and run it too far and not see. I guess you know when the play snap the offensive lineman moving, you lose sight of the player. You assume they're still running the motion, but they're not, and they cut out and they don't see it in time, and that's how they end up wide open. Jamal Agnew did exactly that again, September, October, and the Chiefs, apparently Eric Bieniemy saw it when doing the research and planning. So like you said, Jesse, the staff around Andy Reid too. And Bieniemy found, the irony of it is Bieniemy finds his play against uh, Jonathan Gannon's defense and exploits it completely, leads to two touchdowns in a three-point game at the end. So again, I'd argue the biggest factor in that game. And he's not the one that gets hired by the Cardinals, the defensive coordinator whose scheme got exposed it. That, uh, that's the Cardinals, though. Would, would we expect anything less? Um, probably not. Uh, oh. So, yeah. So, to me, back to my original point, I think the biggest difference was coaching. And we'll probably talk coaching changes uh, in a couple of weeks because we always love to on the show. So, uh, that maybe it's a good preview and lead into that, right? Right, Jesse? I, I guess I'm almost getting really good at this. Right. Yeah. It, it matters. Going back to it, you know, great breakdown, by the way, I'm not going to add more to it, but it's being prepared, seeing what works throughout the year. Like you said, they're going back months early in the season and finally, like, Hey, let's put this in our pocket and use it when we need it. And they sat on it to when they needed it, when it mattered in the second half. Um, it's brilliant to me. I love it. It's, it's, it's awesome. And so, yeah, the earlier in the episode, Jesse, you mentioned you wanted to talk about the end of the game. I don't know if I want to, but you know, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, I never placed blame on refs and all that. And uh, it just, I would have liked to see Philly get another chance. And my only thing I'm going to say, um, what was it a penalty? Yes. By the rule, it's a penalty. hundred percent. It is. Um, I just hate that. They got to, they got to be physical all game long. Um, all game long, they let them play, they let them play. And then in a crucial moment, again, it's the right call, but in a crucial moment, that flag comes out, it comes out really late. Um, it, and again, it's the right call, but I don't know. It, I think the offense is, this is just me personally, my biased offense is already favored so much that the defense is already kind of handcuffed. Um, I don't think that changed that play. Uh, I just wish Philly would have got the ball with more time. And again, that's me being a selfish fan to see what if, but um, yeah. And it's not bad. That's, that's the way it goes, right? It's just me being selfish as a fan sitting from, from a distance and, you know, one to see, Hey, what if let's see more of this game? Cause it was so great, but it to end like that and not even blaming the refs um, just to have the game come down to that third down. And then, and then it ends like that kind of sucks overall or takes the wind out of the sails, I guess. But again, to my point, it's the right right call. If you go by the rule of of that flag, it's the right call. It's just you let them play all game, keep that flag in your pocket. But uh, it is what it is. Consistency of calls is important, I think, to a right. certain extent, um, and maybe consistency of refs as well. I think to your earlier point, this is one of the most exciting Super Bowls we've ever seen, but it didn't have the classic ending finish because of that, unfortunately at least not the very last plays of the game, like last play mattering kind of thing. I mean, it did, like, you know, you try Hail Mary at the end, but something a little more, you know, that was a really deep Hail Mary. Like, I know he slipped when he threw it too. And I also felt like he kind of, he kind of ran up, stopped and then threw. Like whenever we've seen Rogers do it so many times, it's, it's, he's throwing on the run up. Like he knows that just like, he's got a really strong arm, maybe the strongest in the NFL, just standing 60 yards away, I'm not going to hit the end zone running start. Sure. I can get it high enough that, it, yeah, that uh, trajectory velocity is going to get it there for sure. 
but you got to be on the run and throw it. And like that, I think that was maybe a thing that Hurts did, but also it seemed like the field was super slippery because that was a problem throughout the entire game. When it comes to refing, I've I feel like I've taught harped on this for years. The biggest culprit when it comes to why the refing is you know less effective, especially in the playoffs, is the NFL. And I I suppose the way they're bargaining agreement is done this part of this blame has to also lie with the nfl referees union but there's a really easy solution so how it works and one of the things that irks me is when people say and i, I you you haven't said it so like this isn't you jesse <laughs> certainly not targeting you but when people say oh there's no accountability with the refs i mean there is accountability in the sense that every every play is graded did you make the right call or not and they'll determine that after the fact and the highest graded refs will get the extra paychecks that come with refing playoff games. Now, the biggest flaw is we don't make Pro Bowl all-star teams going into the Super Bowl. It's not like the Chiefs just go and take the best players off every other team. Because A, that's that would just get kind of stupid and ridiculous. But B, it also probably wouldn't work as well. You want the chemistry of having been on the team the entire season and the best teams get to the Super Bowl. That's how the refereeing should be done the best officiating crew because apparently they, they play so much important on consistency because the refs have the same crews from start of the preseason to the regular season. But then as soon as it matters the most, when it would be most important to have that chemistry in the playoffs, they switch it up and it's like all-star team refs and the best graded individual officials get each of those spots. Now I understand the idea that the union wants the best graded officials rewarded. So what the NFL really should do is be less cheap and create an all-pro list for referees and officials, not just referees, the entire officiating crew. So however many spots that is, is it eight, nine officials per game? Whatever it is, you've got eight, let's say it's eight, just to make a nice literally round number because it's, it's two circles. Um, but you've got eight first-team all-pro spots at, at, for officials, one at each position, second team, third team. And as part of your your salary and payment. If you make any of those teams, maybe first team gets a bit more second team, a little less and then third team, a little less than that, but they get an extra bonus to their salary. That makes up for the fact that if they were great individual officials, but their crew didn't grade high enough to make it to the playoffs, they wouldn't get access to playoff games. So you reward them that way. And then it gets their names publicized too. And it kind of puts them out there a little more. That's how it should be done because, but then you maintain the crews who are the best graded crews and you keep them throughout and then you'll get better results. Now, this may be not necessarily a result of crew or not. This is really just one individual decision, but still like, I feel like that's, that's kind of my rant. So the NFL just needs to step up, but of course, like they do with a lot of things, they just kind of fumble the ball um, way worse than Jalen Hurts did. I'll say that. <laughs> no, I'm on board with you. You know, when you, when you mix, you work with the same group, you know, it's with, with anything, right. Anything in life. You get comfortable with the same group. You know how each other's working together. The best crew should be there, just like the best teams are there. Um, and that's not a knock on any of these refs. They're, you know, they're great at what they do. But yeah, when you get with a different group and work, it, it, it's different, right? It, to your point, biggest game of the year. And again, you know, I'm not. Was it the wrong call? No, but uh, it goes all game, and they get to play all game, and then at the biggest moment, that comes out on something that. You let them play. That's me. But that's me. But to your point, you know, let the crew reward the crew that's been the best all year, you know, and that makes the group stronger overall, I think, because that you're building to do something each week to be the best crew. So that I'm with you 100 percent. Great point. 
because even through the playoffs, you're regrading. So the crews that worked wild card week aren't necessarily the exact same crews that are working divisional week either. And you're trimming down. So like even through the playoffs, you're rechanging crews every single week. So yeah, that needs to stop. But and we'll stop this topic here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So uh, moving on now to Packers talk. Barely mentioned them. Maybe I mentioned them a little bit. We've we got to complain about the defense and Joe Barry again. Oh yeah, he got retained. And I guess we, you know, we, next the next time we talk will be coaching changes, but it won't involve the Packers because they just ran it all back. That's great. Um, they may not at quarterback though. Uh, now you were saying there was a report that came out today that it looks like the Packers have decided they are trading Aaron Rodgers. Now, I last thing I heard was. It was up to Rogers. So this is, the, 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 the wide range of reporting on this story is just massive, but it's always been the case. It seems like with Rogers for years, it's just it, one extreme to the other. I know that's ten, generally how I tend to live my life. Cause it's way easier than trying to balance things. That's difficult, but I don't know. To a certain extent, it's just been like crazy how people are just flying with narratives with Rogers. Um, makes you wonder, <laughs> almost want to go into a darkness retreat from it all. But uh <laughs> I don't know what 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 do we what do we think we know, Jesse? I, I don't even know how to phrase it. Sorry. Yeah. We, well, we don't want. Before we even get to that, we know one thing that Aaron Jones got restructured today, took a pay cut to be a Packer. That's a great person that you want in your locker room. He's a great human, great teammate. Uh, works his butt off. It looks like he'll be around for two more years. Obviously, we were not going to pay him what he was going to make this year on the cap. Um, so that's awesome news. So we'll start there. That is what we do know that did happen. So congratulations, Green Bay, Aaron, Aaron Jones, who I, I don't know, a human being that wouldn't like that guy. He'll be around a little bit longer. So that is huge news there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Well, just to, sorry, to speak on that, Jesse, really quick. I, I remember checking uh, Packers contracts a couple weeks ago and kind of looking at it. I think Jones was like fourth in terms of cap hit for this year, but yeah. none of the guys ahead of him could be cut to save really anything of significance. So yep. like that was one where, like, oh, we cut and we saved 14 million or whatever it was. So it's like, ooh, yeah. Like that's that's the easy one that you can, you know, the, he doesn't have much leverage to say, like, if he wants to stay, you're going to have to do this. Because if not, we have to cut you because we we can't afford to, well, I guess, I mean, if they're trading Rodgers, they could maybe afford it then. But if, you know, if they're trading Rodgers, I suppose they believe in love. So they're not really going out after a quarterback, but I don't know. Either way, it, it probably is. You know, if we're not, if we're thinking about cutting you this year, we'd certainly maybe consider it next year. So let's, you know, we'll give you a bit more, you know, help us out and we'll give you more long-term it looks like. So I don't know with the exact details of like what is cap, it's going to be this year released at all or. Uh, not to hit yet. So it looks like they, they moved $8 million into a signing bonus. I think it's hits like 11 million. So it cut it in half. Is what yeah. I was going to say it was around 20. So yeah. Yeah. If it's like yeah, 11 so something. Yeah. Half. Makes sense. You know, and, and he's getting close to 30 or, you know, he had no leverage to your point. He had none. He knew that it wasn't going to work like that. You don't pay running backs like that. It, when they made this contract, you know what, two years ago, it essentially was a two year contract. Yeah. We spoke about that. I think. Right. Right. So, and it's great to get him back and he understands where he's at and, I'm happy as a Packer, man. It, that That's a guy you want. It, it's hard not to cheer for. Even if he was 
it's kind of like Jamal Williams. I know he's a lion. I know that's your nemesis team, but you got to love Jamal Williams. That's a cool cat right there. I mean, so he's about I'm to be a free agent, so he may not be a lion this year. <laughs> hey, bring him back. Let's go. Just just for fun. <laughs> but, oh, uh, Packers. Yes, I was going to say lions. No, but yeah. No, uh, no. Yeah. Green Bay, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gross. Lions. Uh, no, but um, I mean, yeah, the Packers get their leading receiver back. <laughs> he led the right. team in catches, not, not yards, of course. <laughs> yeah, um, so that's important. Regardless right. of who your quarterback is, so no, I, I think that was that was important, and necessary. But yeah, um, go from one era into another, I suppose. Unless there's yeah, let's go there. Jones. And like you said, you know, it's one extreme to the next, you know. But but this is the Green Bay Packers, not the Green Bay Aaron Rodgers. Um, Bob McGinn, who take him what what it's worth, but he's been usually when he writes something about Green Bay, he's pretty close, or he, he he's stepping in what he's talking about. Let's just say that. He came out today with an article basically saying that Green Bay is done with Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's Jordan Love time. It's basically what it says. They're disgusted with how Rodgers is right now and what's going on. Even if he does come back to, you know, that $59 million and not retire, it's it's not his job anymore. He's got to work for it. So it looks like a trade is coming. Um, we can talk about our opinions on another one about this. But, hey, it, in a crazy offseason like we thought the last two years and Really, no movement, but just a lot of talk. I, I really do think we're gonna we're gonna see something this year before the draft. One thing I'll say is I'm way more disgusted with Brian Gutekind's third round draft picking than anything Rogers is. <laughs> what third round draft picks? Well, None exactly, of them <laughs> exactly. You mean just trade them all? That's that's the, that's needs to be the Packers' strategy as long as he's the GM. Always trade your third round pick because anything you get for it will be worth more than what you pick. Because yeah, you're basically get a six for it. <laughs> get two six at least okay you can justify having two pieces yeah <laughs> there you go no, two's you better than one right because you're, you're yeah you're right your third round pick's basically going to be a, a six round quality anyway so <laughs> i'm with yeah that is the black hole on day day two in the middle of that draft third round is not has not been good in green bay for sure could have had Amon Ross St. Brown and they took Amari Rogers, man. Oh, why we reliving man. this? <laughs> Honestly, is that just because they took EQ the first time? Maybe they should have just not taken him and they wouldn't have been tainted by the St. Brown, not, him not being good. I don't know. I mean, clearly Amon Ross is not his brother. He's way he's so much better. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess that, that, that this episode is a lot of name value, doesn't it? Then, yeah, from Aaron and Aaron to Amon Ross and Amari, given our A game here today, Jesse, aren't we? We're trying. Hey, we've had a little bit of a break, so let's let's give them an A game. Yeah, we're not in mid-season form yet. This is still early season form. Yeah, technically, this is the start of the again, not the start of the new year yet, new league year anyway. Uh, so there were previous reports about the Packers, you know, trading Rodgers back when it seemed like it was less clear that they would, but it seemed to kind of entail they'd only want to trade him to the AFC, and that got me thinking. Okay, if that is true, and you're literally cutting out half the league, like how many of the 16 remaining teams? actually even want to trade for Aaron Rodgers. And then I kind of went through and realized there actually probably aren't that many. It, you know, I, I came up with eight teams. As, so again, literally cutting the AFC in half because I felt like the other eight, eight teams all have franchise quarterbacks established. And if they haven't been paid yet, you feel like those are coming like a Joe Burrow, right? Like he hasn't had his super max contract as they call it in the NBA yet, but that's probably coming. Um, so like those teams aren't interested in, in Aaron Rodgers. And even of the eight, there were three that I almost kind of took out of those eight. Like, and I was thinking it's young quarterbacks that teams spent first round picks on 
they've shown something, but like they're not Aaron Rodgers, and they may not ever be as good as Aaron Rodgers. So do those teams take shots on him? And I was thinking specifically Mac Jones with the Patriots and Kenny Pickett with the Steelers. I seriously doubt either of those team trade for Rodgers, right, Jesse? I got two. So yeah, keep going. Neither, I don't think, I know the Patriots that talk, go oh, go be with Belichick, but I, I don't see it happening. I really don't. I, I think they're committed to Mac Jones. I think honestly, the, we, I think everyone overblew him getting benched that game. I don't think he should have been starting that game. I think the Patriots don't think he should have been starting that game, but he insisted I'm playing this game, got in there and was just so bad because his ankle was so like you need your body parts be functional when you throw the football, right? Like you're leaning on your ankle so much. And Patrick Mahomes is an alien. Like he's, he's just, he's just a different breed. Mac Jones isn't Patrick Mahomes. Mac Jones can't play football on a, on a high ankle sprain. Patrick Mahomes kind of can apparently, but again, he's, he's the best quarterback in the NFL. There, there's literally like no other quarterback can do the things he does. So at least of the quarterbacks playing right now, I don't, I've never saw Otto Graham. He might've been that amazing, but um I don't know. It just seems like that was maybe really overblown and that was, they benched him for his health. And cause like at that point, like if he's not healthy and be playing football, it's going to hurt himself more, but also the team. Cause he really shouldn't be playing. So I think that's what that was about. They never, they, they're, I think they're committed to Mac Jones. And I think the Steelers, as soon as they made Pickett the guy, the only time Trubisky got starts this year or got playing time after Pickett was named the starter was because Pickett got injured. I think a couple concussions, if I'm not mistaken, at least one. So I think those teams are committed there. The other team I was thinking, the Houston Texans. And I mean, they've got the uh-huh. 102 and the 112. And you'd imagine they have to at least move one of those picks to get Aaron Rodgers. And I mean, I if the Packers, do they insist on the 102 just to be like, we want that. If you know, if we're really going with Jordan Love, we want to surround him with something or that's the replacement quarterback. I doubt that the Packers go that way. They, it seems like they're committed to Love. Um, yeah. And I don't think the Texans would want to give up the one or two. Like they're probably committed to that quarterback. So that's why, like, I would say that eight shrinks to five suddenly. And you said you had, you had two teams. So who who are your two teams? Because I'd assume they'd be on at least the list of five I have. Okay. Well, I, I have four. I have two actually. Okay. So when they said that they prefer the AFC, they do. Um, but if a team in the NFC, you know, comes calling and offers the world, you take it, right? Like if, if you are seriously moving on from Aaron Rodgers and you believe in Jordan Love, which it sounds like they do, they believe in Jordan Love, uh, you take the best offer you're going to get. Now, like you said, Houston Texans, they're not ready to compete. Anybody that's taken Aaron Rodgers thinks that he is the piece that's going to get them to where they want to go. You're, why would you bring them in if you got a young team like Houston that's, let's, let's be honest, you're not winning next year, you're not winning the year after that whether whatever you bring in. So as the AFC teams, the number one team, I think, so wow, deja vu, where Brett Favre went, the New York Jets. I think that team is that good, and I think they believe it too, where they're a quarterback away, which that defense can play with anybody. They have the running game. They have young receivers. The O-line, yeah, they got some pieces. You know, they can add to it. They're a quarterback away, and I really think they can push the Bills in the AFC East and the Dolphins too to be, you know, who knows what's going on with Tua. And that, well, and that might be another team, but I think the Jets are the number one team. They've expressed that they want Aaron Rodgers. They're willing to give up first round picks for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how true it is, but that's the talk. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers loves Rod, uh, Robert Sala. <laughs> I think that's a match made in heaven. Now, of course, New York market, I, that might be tough for Rodgers. I don't care. But if they offer 
the picks that we want to see, I'm making that move. <clears throat> the other one, I I think they're crazy, and I don't think they're that close to being to win, especially in the division they're in. But the Raiders are the, also the other talk. Get them back with Devontae. Rodgers gets to go play with an offensive-minded uh, offensive minded coach, even though I think McDaniel's overrated, but that's another topic. <laughs> but um, both of those teams with top 10 picks, if they're willing to deal, let's go. I think those are the only two teams that make the most sense to me in the AFC because if they think they get Rodgers and they can compete, those are the teams. For further thoughts on Josh McDaniels, refer back a year ago to the Coaching Changes episode. <laughs> We had Terry on, Terry Biggs from the Phil Press Raiders. That was that was great. I, I, that was actually a fantastic episode. People should, even if you don't want to hear about Josh McDaniels, want to hear about the other stuff because we talked. I, I think we covered every head coach in the NFL. Uh, oh, yeah. that, uh, changed teams, all the new ones, and there was I think seven last year. So uh, Terry did a really good job with that covering that. And uh, and yeah, um, I uh, I guess those were probably the two I had at the top of my list. And you said you had four. I think. Another really close third, and I think it's it's the opposite of the Raiders. This is a, I mean, the Jaguars did start to kind of take a, I mean, they won the division this year. They took a step forward, but I'm sure the Titans view themselves as competitors. And again, I hinted at this before the uh, Aaron Rodgers Traylon Burks combo. We want I wanted it so bad last year, Jesse. Remember that, and uh, we might get it next year, but in Tennessee, not in Green Bay. So I think that's another team that dark horse could be. I think at, at the very least third on the list of likelihood to get Aaron Rodgers. I think those are the top three. Good point. Yeah. I, th- I think that, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, I really didn't even consider that. And everybody said, Oh, he, he bought, you know, bought a house in Nashville. So whatever that that's in there too, but no, that's a good one. Um, good point. I didn't even think about Tennessee, but yeah, it makes sense. It really does. Um, Just a little bit of pushback of what you said too. the New York market. See, I think Rogers, call him a narcissist if you want he, he seems like he he likes the attention oh he does a, he, he is a quarterback too they they kind of most of them do act like that to be honest it's not just a rogers thing folks like wake up to that um uh i think he'd love the new york media like big media market like that where he can talk even more in front of even more people i think he'd love it i just think that that fan base turns a lot harder than green bay even right now where i think it's split down the middle we're pretty mild compared to how they treat their team up there. But Hey, like you said, the, the, the quarterback uh, I'm full of myself thing, let him deal with that. That's not, that's not a Packer problem. <laughs> Jets to be fair, seem to like Ryan Fitzpatrick that season because he was winning games. You start right. winning games. They'll love you. Yep. I'm sure people loved Zach Wilson last year when he was kind of looking good and they, were, they sort of started winning games this year. He was awful because he wasn't winning games. Like it, it really does just come down to that, I think. So Rodgers goes in there and wins games. He's going to get a ton of support. Like, because the narrative will be this is the best quarterback that's ever played for the Jets. Because right. I mean, yeah, if, name, if, name if, is what some more 12. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if Aaron Rodgers was traded to the Jets, he would be unquestionably the best quarterback that ever played for the Jets. Now, oh. if he plays one season, it's tough to consider him the greatest, you know, because uh, I struggle with this as a Raptors fan. Can you really call Kawhi Leonard the greatest Raptor ever? He's probably the greatest play, Raptors player that's ever played for the franchise. But one season, as much as it was a championship season, kind of, I kind of feel like you have to default to Lowry as the number one Raptors player. He leads, you know, points in so many of the the franchise. I know you, you like the basketball talk. Um, hey, that title matters, though, right? <laughs> ho- hockey talk. Wayne Gretzky is the best player that's ever played for the St. Louis Blues, but he's he played like well, I don't even, I can't remember. There was a trade deadline. You know, you made maybe played twenty games. 
And then I'm pretty sure they lost in the first round of the Red Wings in seven. I'm a Red Wings fan, so remember that. The, the Steve Eisenman sniped from the blue line to, to win it in overtime. Um, so he ended up playing like maybe, let's say, 28 games for the Blues in his entire career. Really can't call Gretzky the greatest Blues player ever, even though he's the best player that's ever played for the franchise. So that can be the case with Rogers uh, here. Um, but again, yeah, he may not go to the Jets. So you said four. Um, I, get, I have kind of two others that are maybe I would consider more the dark horses that more possible to me than Texans, Patriots, and Steelers, but less likely than the other three. But you, you, you had four, and it seemed like you were surprised by the Titans. So I'm curious to guess you have two other teams you're thinking of. Well, they're total dark horses now. Don't get me wrong, and they're NFC teams. So okay, that's why I, I am thinking strictly NFC. But okay, yeah, let's let the yeah, let's hear the uh, NFC teams. Yeah, I mean, just totally crazy because I think the the division's a dumpster fire, um, and it's not going to happen. Trust me, it's not. But but there's been rumblings. It, I think it's Carolina and Atlanta. I think both of them are, are they good? No, but I think there's some nice pieces there, especially Atlanta and that offense and those young receivers and tight end. Um, Yeah, they got to fix the defense, but both teams have money. Why not? Right. You can win that division with you. You win that division with eight wins, put Aaron Rodgers in the mix. (laughs) You're, you're going to win your division. Um, Especially, you know, with Tampa Bay, you know, with everything that's happened there and and the saints too, which saints are got some talent, but, I just think they're in limbo. So it's not going to happen. Don't get me wrong, but I was just looking at it. You know, Atlanta might be like Rodgers thrown to some of these big target, you know, wide receiver tight end combos. Um, might be appealing, but it's not going to happen. That, that was my two NFC dark horses that might offer some stupid stuff and Green Bay says, hey, have them. <laughs> well, and I think, Jesse, those two tie to one of the other teams I think could trade for Rodgers because – I think both Carolina and Atlanta are all in to get a quarterback this offseason, but yep. I think Rodgers is priority number two behind Lamar Jackson. And I, well, agreed. <laughs> but I think whatever team loses out on Lamar Jackson, if he is in fact traded to one of those teams and they would be a division rival of that other team, you have to think that team will then up the ante to go get Rodgers just to keep up. Making sense. No Tom Brady in the division anymore. And heck, maybe the Bucks. maybe you look at all three of those teams thinking we're a quarterback away. Let's go and, and trade the hall to get that quarterback. Um, but yeah, I think Atlanta, Carolina, because it seems like those are the two that are really tied to Lamar Jackson. If, mm-hmm. you know, whoever loses out on him might be desperate enough to make it like a uh, pay as much as it costs to get Jackson to then go get Rodgers. Maybe the Green Bay, the Packers use that. Okay, well, this is what it costs to get a franchise quarterback, and you don't have to like negotiate the contract with him. He's already under contract. You've got you know, like you you save yourself that hassle. Then you sell it that way as like whatever it costs Jackson. You know, pay us. You know, you want to keep up with your division rival. I don't know. Uh, maybe 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 not. Maybe it, the the cost won't be the same. But it ties to the the dark horse AFC team. If the Ravens trade away Lamar Jackson. Do they go for Aaron Rodgers? Now, oh, part man. of me thinks no, because it seems like the reason they don't want Jackson is for the giant cap hit at quarterback. They'd rather build with a, a cheaper quarterback, however they can acquire that. So it probably won't happen. Um, and one other team, Jesse, that's an AFC dark horse. I guess it's funny because they're a division rival of the Texans, but and it could fall into the similar pitfall of they pick so early in the first that they may have their sights set on a rookie quarterback. And that's how they're just going to go, especially this franchise, which has just bounced from old quarterback to well, Carson Wentz, but then old quarterback afterwards, like, you know, and they've, they've been kind of blindsided by two quarterbacks retiring on them in the last, what, six years, five years, 19. 
Yeah, four years. <laughs> I mean, that, that's it's been and it's been bad for the Colts in that sense, right? But then, then, but then again, it's the team that's just gone after old quarterback. Almost like, Matt, why did they go after Matt Ryan this year? Like, did they not watch him play last year? Because nothing I saw from Matt Ryan this year looked any different than it did in 2020, honestly, or 2019, or tw- like it's he's been kind of taking the Drew Brees path of he's okay, he's declining. Like it's pretty clear. Like this. You know, and I may not, he may not have ever been that great anyway. Just when he was in a Kyle Shanahan system, he looked amazing. But other than that, I mean, really, you know, one seed occasionally. But has any has any team done less with the one seed than the Falcons, honestly, ever throughout their entire history? Uh, that's another question for another time. Sorry to rip on the Falcons, who might get Aaron Rodgers. But anyway, I'm I'm yeah yeah I'm running through uh I'm running through a lot of loopholes here. I'm kind of not making sense and I'm kind of just all over the place, sort of like Jim Ursay, right? Like that that's the one owner that maybe looks at Rogers as, and you're like, you, you bring Rogers in and it doesn't change how much stranger your franchise in. Cause you already have Jim Ursay owning the team. You like, it's already the wild West there anyway. So you may as well just bring Rogers in and it's not more, it's not any more of a distraction than that team already is. So from that sense, it's fine. Um, again, do the Packers insist on the one Oh four, I think, which is what the Colts have. Uh, the fourth overall pick in the in the NFL draft. So do they insist on that as part of that price? Maybe Ursay gets drunk enough or, you know, maybe he's doing drugs with <laughs> Rogers somewhere. <and> <laughs> sure. Sure. Let's give the hackers the 104. Right. Maybe Put them in a happens. dark room together. <laughs> so it's, it's probably, it's, it's, I think it's a more likely dark horse than the Ravens. Cause it seems like the Ravens are, they're not going to make irrational, like crazy decisions. Like they're, they're they, so they probably aren't going to do it. So Maybe maybe the Colts are a a, a a favored fourth team for me to to land Rodgers after I mentioned earlier the division rival the Titans and the the top two which I I think I tend to agree with you in a certain sense as being that the maybe the top two just because there's been smoke about either the Raiders and Jets but man, I kind of feel Tennessee I don't know I'm feeling like it's just as likely as those other two so we'll we'll have to see the Aaron Rodgers saga I don't know if the Packers want to trade him I bet it happens quickly if it's you know, because if, if it's him wanting to come back or not, then it's, I think that gets dragged out more. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want to play football anymore. I think maybe that maybe that is where everything is kind of hinging right now. I'm not sure. We'll keep oh, you posted really- as we find out uh, all the crazy, weird happenings that is the Aaron Rodgers saga. Certainly gives us good podcast material. Like, we oh, can't complain yeah. too much, right? Yeah, I'm sure we'll have a whole different story next week after he comes out of his dark room. So, <laughs> um Stay tuned, right? And I do want to say one thing of all the, and I'll, okay, so I am a self-professed and self-identifying weirdo. So when I say this, I am, do mean this almost in a term of endearment. Aaron Rodgers is a freaking weirdo, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. Uh, You know, some stuff is so weird. that's okay. I I think that's weird. Uh, other stuff it's like, okay, no, that's, that's conventionally considered weird, but I think it's cool. So yeah, Um, man, he's a weird dude, but like, but the idea of going into like, you know, unplugging from all electronics, maybe to the extreme of, you know, total darkness for four days, you know, that's a little weird. Taking it to the extremes again, talk about extreme stories, right? I suppose that's how it it is reported, but to a certain extent that Aaron Rodgers lives on the extremes. But I think that idea is maybe being ridiculized a little too much. I think it is healthy to kind of just unplug and step away. And I don't know if, if the Packers are disgusted that Rodgers just doesn't want to talk to them right now, like, you know, that is his right. Like he's not, he's not working. You don't have to make this trade right now. Um, You know, the biggest decisions they should have been focused on were, you know, better defensive coordinator, for instance, but no, they chose to just focus in solely on this. I don't know. I don't know. Green Bay. 
I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, the weird case of the Green Bay Packers is that that never ends. It's uh, I mean, really, the, it's it's probably the weirdest franchise, sports franchise in North America. Like the the city it's in, how small of a media center it is, the fact that it's locally owned. There's so much about the Packers that are just weird because it's not normal to any other team in North America and across all sports. So I embrace the weird. Sorry if you don't, because you have to hear me, hear me talk weird for a lot. But uh, uh, Jesse's Jesse's here to rein us back to normalcy and, and reality. So go ahead, Jesse. I don't think, I, yeah, I'm not very normal myself either. So, um, hey, the man marches to the beat of his own drum, right or wrong, whatever. Um, I, I to your point, I, I really don't care what he does in his personal life. Is it weird? Yeah, it's weird. It, whatever, good for him. But Going forward, I want someone that wants to be here, wants to be a Packer. Uh, this is a young team. I, I'm ready for the Jordan Love era uh, as the world turns in Green Bay. Um, it's going to be an exciting offseason, whether you like it or not. So stay tuned, and uh, we're all on this ride together, right? I knew I liked you. I knew you were a weirdo, too, somewhat. Sorry for <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, but no, I appreciate you coming back, Jesse. Now we'll be here all the way. I, I, I'd imagine two weeks from now, we probably have enough data that we can talk fully i guess all the nfl head coaches have been hired so um yeah i think uh, that's probably a good topic for uh, our next episode is it not yeah sounds good let's go right into it a lot of new signings a lot of new faces and new places yeah because i mean you know, and of course if there's any Aaron Rodgers news we'll of course talk about that as well but oh, a couple weeks after talk coaching we're already getting into basically the new league year and almost time for free agents to be signed so yeah lots to talk yeah. about in in NFL offseason and uh, glad to be here with you every step of the way. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at FPC underscore Packers. I'm on Twitter at Center Says. Jesse's also on Twitter at Hall underscore J Hall 1212. See, I, I, I kind of delayed because like, oh, uh, got to remember numbers, <laughs> uh, words and numbers. I love numbers, but uh, sometimes I get confused. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I think I nailed it, right? You did. You nailed it. Okay. Yeah, it, it took the extra second. Sometimes you need, you know, just slow down for a bit. I, I over talk sometimes and rush through things. But yeah, uh, again, at center says at hall underscore j hall 1212 at fpc underscore packers also one last account at pa underscore ii official and that's uh pa the second who graciously lets us use the new song bad boy outside as our intro and outro music so uh new single released uh just at the end of 2022 i think at that point when he released it the packers were still alive for a playoff push that actually might have been man, that might have been in the dreads of the long winning losing streak when we thought it was hopeless uh <laughs> that might have been when they started winning though i can't remember that or that might have been a bye week anyway uh i'm rambling again uh i'm being bad but again check out bad boy outside and all of the other great songs by pa the second again on twitter at pa underscore ii official any final thoughts jesse for the listeners hey uh just because football games are over with i am full dot Dive it into the offseason with NFL prospects. You got the combine coming up. <clears throat> Just got done with the senior bowl. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Th th this is a fun time of year for me. So go pack, go. Well, and I'll just plug uh, an upcoming article, probably, uh, you know, I guess maybe it depends on how late you're listening to this uh, before the next episode. Maybe, maybe it's already out, but uh, I would say at the time we're recording this, and we are recording this on February 17th, Friday, uh, I would say within a week, my film analysis for the running backs in this class the top 25 anyway will be uh, published so uh check for that my you know first step in my running back evaluation specifically for fantasy football of course that is the 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 covet there but uh a lot of my film evaluation is who do i think are the best 
most talented running backs. So uh, check one. out the article. I, I'll uh, I'm gonna you know I've got I'll have a table set up with all 25 their overall grades and then the four main categories I look at. I'll also kind of explain how I do those categories and within that talk about some specific players to kind of exemplify the things I'm looking for and the players I think excel at it. So be uh, a you know. You know, if there's anyone who likes NFL draft and prospects, that might be a fun read anyway. But certainly, you know, the purpose is geared towards fantasy football. But that might again be a fun read for even those who are, aren't so into fantasy football. As I am, I'm a little obsessed. Uh, but yeah, thanks, thanks, uh, Jesse, for reminding me. That. Yeah, give me the opportunity to plug that. And uh, because I rambled on enough, uh, I'll let you have the final word again. Hey, go back, go. I love hearing that. We're back. And we'll be back again in a couple weeks on the Full Press Hackers Pod. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.